Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers make their move to product masters, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products that customers love. Recently, I hosted the Everyday Innovator Summit. We brought 25 amazing speakers together and shared important information for product managers and product leaders. And since then, I've been asked a lot about, well, what did I learn from that experience, from that product launch, from getting ready for that and then launching that product? So this is going to be a lessons learned debrief. First, on that summit, if you want to find out more about that, you can still get access to all the valuable and exclusive materials. That's at the everydayinnovator.com slash summit, 25 speakers. And here's the great thing about those exclusive materials. Imagine that you could pay someone to go to a three-day conference for you, and you're just going to pay them $49 to take amazing notes. And you're like, what, $49? And they're going to take these incredible notes of the conference and give me other materials to help speed my learning through all the concepts? Well, yeah, that sounds like a great deal. That's what the exclusive materials are. So what I've done is gone back to the early bird pricing for the summit. It's only $49 to get all those exclusive materials. You can check it out at theeverydayinnovator.com slash summit. But let's get into the lessons learned I've been asked about so much. So when I do a lessons learned meeting after a product launch or after a you know, key milestone in a project or a project getting done, there's really three things I'm thinking about. And I did this with the team that helped put together this summit that I worked with. And those three things are what worked, you know, the, the best practices that came out, the things that we would want to do again on a similar sort of project. What would we do differently? That includes mistakes and insights that came out of our experience. And then overall, an objective is I want to build trust and empowerment in the team so we carry that forward into the next project so we can even work better together. And all the lessons learned I'm going to talk about now, well, they're written up at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 283. The show notes, everything's there. We take good notes for each of these episodes that we do, and that's where you'll find them for this one too. So first, some context about the summit uh, to kind of set the stage so the lessons learned make sense. I started with some objectives for why I wanted to do the summit. And those objectives were to build awareness for this podcast. The reason for doing the summit, the key reason, was to help grow awareness for the podcast. Another one was to grow my email list so I had the opportunity to reach out to people. And then also my plan was to prepare for a membership group to better serve a group of product managers and product VPs. And that's because in doing the podcast, I get a lot of emails and and requests for help in specific areas. And through a membership group, I could do a better job of of serving those requests. The target market for the summit, always important when we're thinking about a product, a a new product that we're bringing to life. Well, it's the people I currently serve through the podcast and through my work. That's product managers, and product VPs, the leaders of product managers. And I initially considered maybe another segment in there, which were people that wanted to get into product management, because indeed, I do hear from people that listen to this podcast. Uh, One in particular was someone who just about doubled her salary by making a move into more of a product role, which was very exciting to hear about. That was just amazing. But it's not really my core focus. So I'm really glad that all kinds of people get value out of the podcast. But I'm really serving people who are working as product managers now and who are leading product management. And then why do a virtual summit? 
Well, I started meeting people last year who had that experience of doing a virtual summit before, an online summit, and they had similar objectives that I had to you know, leverage that experience. And I was invited a few years ago to be a speaker on a product management virtual summit uh, that Errol Wong created, and that was really interesting. I thought, hmm, there's something here I might look into in the future, so that kind of got my wheels thinking about it a bit. And then I wanted to leverage my experience with the podcast, and that seemed like I could do that directly. I already know how to do interviews, and putting together a summit seemed fairly straightforward until I learned more about actually doing it. And then it allowed for new experiences that would be aligned with what I envisioned as a membership offering, um, that we would do video interviews, and we would have more guides for learning the information and applying it, and the summit could be aligned with learning experiences to help with that. So when it came to putting the summit together, I found a mentor to help me with that. And that was Naveed Moaz, and I probably butchered his last name, sorry, Naveed. And he has a program called Virtual Summit Mastery. So I just joined the program and was able to learn really what I needed. And he provided uh, several materials to help, help me through that. And also, a um, friend that I met about the same time, interestingly enough, how things come together, Matt Demerit, he has created summits in the past for our organization and put those together very well. And uh, he has a service called Digital Summit Pros, and he gave me some really good strategies to think about as well. So I just followed the programs that I had been introduced to. I assembled a team to help put together some of the key resources, those exclusive offerings that were made available. And then developed a schedule. Uh, we started looking into this towards the end of 2019. In uh, Q4, really decided we were going to do it. In December, created a, a firm schedule for delivering the summit. And that included launch date and other information that we would be, kind of be focused on, the vision for the summit. And then there's the basic flow of what the summit was about. So it was 25 sessions, uh, 25 speakers spread over three days. So basically eight speakers a day. And then we had a motivational keynote at, at lunchtime on uh, the first day. And a session was published every hour. So a new speaker came up every hour. We had two tracks, one for each of our market segments, that's product managers, and also another one for product VPs. And during the summit was a live chat-based discussion that you could interact with me all the time during those three days of the summit, and also with many of the speakers. Okay, so that's context. Let's get into the actual lessons learned. So first up, best practices. What, what, what would we do again for out of this? Anytime we're thinking about a product of any sort, Vision is a very important aspect of that planning. We gotta get people on the same page. We have to have clarity ourselves about what that vision is. And so I developed a vision with a lot of thought and interaction with others, others for what the summit would be. And that was, I'll just read it to you here, professional development leads to success. When product managers and leaders stop learning, they hurt their chances of succeeding in their careers. This virtual summit shares skills every product manager and leader needs to create products customers love, have more influence in their organizations, and generate more revenue for the companies they work for. This is the most effective annual virtual summit for product managers and leaders to easily and quickly get the skills they need to succeed in work and life. Now, that vision didn't just emerge all of a sudden. It was through interactions and through careful thought about what this summit should accomplish. And you can see in there, the focus really was on learning. It could have been on community collaboration networking. That was something I expected to offer later in a membership group. 
This focus was on learning, preparing people to accelerate in their careers, and really positioning this as the best way in a virtual experience, something you could do online from your computer, from your phone, and easily and quickly get the skills you need to succeed. That specific language, aspects of it showed up in some of the marketing materials, but not that specific language. That was captured for the vision to communicate with the team and reinforce in myself what the summit was about. Another thing that worked really well, we had high quality speakers. And we got a lot of comments after the summit that people most appreciated the quality speakers that we brought to this. And again, you'll find a full list of them at theeverydayinnovator.com slash summit. We had business innovation experts, Alex Osterwalder, Tony Alwick, Rowan Gibson, Colin Palombo. We had lean experts, Ash Mariah, Dan Olson. We had customer research experts, Eric Bodek, Jan Botella, Christina Stefan. We had communication experts, Nancy Duarte, Dr. Dwayne Baker, Tom Henschel. Product leadership experts, Rich Marinoff, Bruce McCarty, Steve Johnson, Scott Pope, and a slew of other experts, Keith Hawk on sales, Jenna Basto for roadmaps, Dr. Mark Stiving on pricing, Session Recchi on OKRs, Ben Britton on innovation culture, Lewis Lynn on growing your product management career, Andrew Warner on conducting interviews, and Ruben Gonzalez, a four-time Winter Olympian across four different decades. Just amazing story. He was a motivational keynote on how to create the courage to succeed at anything. Uh, You may not recognize all those names, but these really are the top people in their field with huge experience to bring to us, helping us in different aspects of product management. Something else that worked well, we needed a logo for the summit that gave us an opportunity to make some minor changes, but important changes to the Everyday Innovator logo. So we updated that as well. And in creating the logo for the summit, we also created an animated version to go along with the videos as intro and outro to each video. And we gave that animated logo some personality and that got some good feedback too. Now, some key features of the product, features of the summit. So we need to create benefits for our customers, for our users. Those come through features and those features for us, we had a, what we called was a playbook. That's a PDF of each speaker session, their bio, a personal insight they shared, and an innovation quote they shared, as well as a link to additional resources they provided. This came out really well. Someone on the team put this together who's a brand management expert. She did a great job communicating this. High quality, look great, and it raised the professionalism of the summit, this playbook that everyone got that registered. We also created a written speed summary. So in about two pages, you could absorb all the key points of any session without having to go through the whole recording if you didn't want to, right? People learn in different ways. We wanted to make that possible. Also created action guides. This was a one-page that contained discussion questions, actions to take now to start using a concept the speaker talked about, and then actions to take soon. Next, there were transcripts of everything. So if you don't like listening or viewing, you can read if you wanted. We also made MP3 files so you could listen to the interviews on the go, the sessions on the go. And then during the summit was a interactive discussion. So there was was live participation actually during the summit time. And then of course, the sessions themselves. Those were primarily an interview format, but every speaker I give the option to, do you want to do a presentation or do you want to do an interview? Now, almost everyone said, oh, let's do an interview. Let's make this interactive. So that was the format. (laughs) Some were presentations, some were interviews. Now, the business model, when you think about developing a new product or at times creating a, a new version of it, we should go back and revisit the business model. But early upfront, as you're doing the work to formulate that that product concept, and you're starting to think about the business case, you know, can we justify moving this in, into development and taking action on this product concept? 
We also want to be exploring the business model, which is fundamentally how do you generate revenue? And there's other aspects of that, and the business model canvas is a good tool for exploring those other aspects. But for us, the business model was, this is a free summit, right? What's our objectives? We want to raise awareness of the podcast, and we want to add people to the email list so we have an opportunity to reach more people. So it's a free summit. When you register, you get the playbook, great resource, and you get to watch all the summit sessions during the summit and participate in that interactive discussion if you want. Now, we also want to generate revenue because we had hard expenses going into this, the the team that I was paying to help produce all the materials. So we created this thing called the All Access Pass, and you get lifetime access to the recordings, all those written materials to help you speed your learning, those speed summaries to digest the approximately 45-minute speaker sessions that are about two pages each, that one-page action guide uh, to help you get going, the transcripts, those MP3 files, all that. And also, I wanted to offer exclusive content to those all-access past customers. And that took the form of the bonus question. So in each of the speaker sessions, we did the interview or they did their presentation. But then after we concluded that planned discussion, I asked a bonus question, which was going deeper to really apply the concepts better or learn how to avoid mistakes. And only the customers who purchased the all-access pass got, got access to that, the bonus question information. And we think that worked well. Um, we still need to go through our, the surveys we did a little bit to, to tease that out to see if that really did work well for us or not for the effort involved. Because it was a good deal of extra effort to deal with those bonus questions. But I personally enjoyed them because a lot of good insights came through. And in some cases, the speakers talked for another five or 10 minutes, and in some cases for another 30 minutes right, about the topic. And, and we digested the bonus question content and put that back in the speed summaries as well. So again, you can get everything quickly if you prefer just to read a summary, the notes that in essence we took for you. Then we collected customer feedback. So afterwards, we surveyed attendees and customers who purchased the all-access pass. We got valuable feedback from both of those groups. This included a net promoter score question. That score is 43. That puts us in a pretty good company, three points higher than BMW and two lower than Microsoft. Microsoft is doing well lately. So I'm super happy with that score. It can certainly be higher. But for our first summit, that was fantastic. And I'll talk about the low scores later, uh, some insights that came from that that was also really valuable for us. So other decisions we were happy with, we pre-recorded all the sessions. So this was planned well before any concerns of COVID was even known about. And the plan was to pre-record the sessions. And I'm happy we did it that way because everything just worked, right? We delivered what we promised to deliver because the video sessions, the recordings worked and got into everyone's hands. And because of what had happened in the world with COVID and remote working, a lot of conferences did get moved at the same time as our summit. They got moved to be online experiences, virtual experiences, and many of them did not work well. Um, I heard from people who were participating in these, lots of issues with just the technology not working well. Ours worked. We were able to deliver what we promised to. In planning all this, we set up a Google Drive to track our assets. We used a Google Sheet to track the speaker status. We used it very much like a Trello board and and could have used a tool like that instead. But this was simple to share across the team. That included who had been invited to speak at the summit, who confirmed, if we got the recording date scheduled with them already, if the videos was edited, everything that we needed to keep track of kept everyone on the same page, the whole team on the same page together. We also used OneNote, which is also shareable across the team. 
I just use that because I already use it for doing my my podcast notes here. OneNote is a great tool for Microsoft. We collected all the speaker materials in that, the, their bio, their quote, insight, resource links, and then my notes that I took during the session time, which helped to create the speed summaries and the action guides. Also, we had co-promoters involved. They were chosen ahead of time. And for the most part, we got the co-promoters involved that we wanted to, to but they were also ones we had a previous relationship with. Uh, more on that from a, a, something we could do different in the future. We did a live kickoff before the summit, and that got some really healthy engagement and also provided an opportunity to give support to people who had questions about the summit or they couldn't find a resource they were looking for. And that was great. Another lesson learned from that was I was doing that live kickoff. I also had a session myself I was presenting during that live kickoff, which was about the mindset we need as product managers and how we can really grow our influence and be better leveraged in organizations in product management. But during that time, I had two other people helping me. It was a Zoom session. I had two other people helping to moderate the chat and respond to questions and respond to support requests. That was wonderful. There was too much going on in that moment, and having those two people to help turned out to be really wise and, and really good for us. So email and social media messages were all planned ahead of time. There was too much going on during the actual launch. So preparing the resources that you need, that you can, before the actual launch is wise, because things will come up during your product launch that you need to respond to, whatever kind of product that is. We also upgraded our server to a scalable architecture before the summit, and we needed that because as we launched the summit with a couple thousand people coming all at the same time to see these sessions, uh, we needed more memory, more, more CPU capacity. So that was very wise that we did that as well. We still ran into a few issues at the exact time of launch, but only for a few seconds for, for everyone. They could get to the resources uh, pretty quickly. For the discussion, we wanted to have a chat-based discussion going on with each of the sessions. We chose uh, Discuss for that and have no complaints with that. There's so many solutions out there. We wanted one that would take the CPU loading off of our server and put it somewhere else. That, that did work well for us. Uh, we may look at some other tools next year, but was happy with that. And then Vimeo for hosting the speaker sessions to also offload bandwidth and CPU from our server. And many speakers were able to join the discussion live during their session, and that was a great thing, too. Frankly, it was not something we planned in the very beginning. We just didn't think about if speakers would be available. But many speakers reached out to me and said, hey, is there some way I can participate during the, the actual summit? The majority of, of them were able to, which was just wonderful. Okay. Things that we would do differently. So again, lessons learned, looking at this post-launch, what were the mistakes and insights that we took out of that? First up, and if you're part of the summit, this is probably one you feel, this is what we got the most feedback on, was the, the schedule itself. We just packed so much into three days. Uh, when we started this, we're kind of thinking of it like, well, this is like a conference, right? Only it's virtual. And if you go away for a three-day product management conference, you know what, what do you expect to happen there? So many people wanted more time to watch the session recordings on their own time, right? We did end up this, taking this three-day summit, which was a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And we extended it to Saturday, so everyone had, had an extra day to watch everything, and we kind of made that decision as we were going. But next time around, we would definitely spread the sessions over more time. Maybe do four sessions per day at most. And if we do the same number of sessions, right, spread that over six days and then add at least two or three days after that so people can come in and catch up on the sessions and uh, make 
make the information more accessible to everyone because it was such valuable information. I want to make sure you can get to it uh, when you want to. Also, I think I would add a live session to each day, a live kickoff for every day. So again, we can have that interaction. People can ask questions and, and kind of know what to expect. And we'll see how that works. We might end up with some good questions that came from previous sessions and have a, a good time applying concepts with each other, make it more dynamic. Another insight is we would better set expectations for what the summit actually is and in each session what the format of that is if we have kind of the same format next year. The low scores that we got for Honor Net Promoter Score, one was uh, the comment related to it was, I hate interviews. Okay, fair enough. If you don't like the interview format, then the podcast probably isn't a good fit for you either because that's generally what we do. And most of the sessions were interview format. I tend to think of it more of as a discussion than an actual interview because I have a you know ton of experience doing the product management for more than 30 years now and PhD in innovation. And I'm helping companies every week in this area, right? How do we do a better job delivering products that customers actually love? So I think of these interviews I do for the podcast as a discussion. And if you listen regularly, you, hopefully you feel that as well. We literally, kind of a vision for the podcast is, you know, we're just in a coffee shop sitting down together talking and you get to listen in on this conversation. But if you hate interviews, yeah, okay. So we should have done a better job of setting expectations, at least on each of the sessions, to make it clear. Is this an interview format or is this a presentation format? Because we did have both throughout the summit. Another feedback was, I don't know who this is for. Okay, so somewhere we missed the communication along the way about who this was actually for. We try to be clear about that, but we're going to work on clarifying that next year. And then there were some comments like, I wish there was an opportunity to interact with the speakers, right? Because it was pre-recorded live sessions, but pre-recorded and then published. And there was an opportunity to interact with most of the speakers because they came for that discussion, the live interactive chat discussion during their session. But that just wasn't clear to everyone. So it was on the page, but maybe people missed that. Or they could have come at that, that time. Things that we would do to set expectations better. We had a calendar tool that was built into the summit page. So you could add to your calendar uh, when each summit came up and the link to that. And some people reported some issues with that. So we just need to test better. We all know this on product launches. You know, Test all aspects, not just the product. But any artifacts you're using along with the launch that are integral to it, in our testing, that calendar tool worked really well, but apparently on different platforms and maybe even, I think, different geographies in the world, there might have been some issues. Likewise, email was important during the summit, and that was a fail the first day. So we really need to test, and more specifically, in our case, monitor, because we had done the testing ahead of time. We thought things were in pretty decent shape but monitor that the email system is, is working as we expect it to. So on day one of the summit, there was supposed to be a message that went out to everyone early to remind them about, about the summit. And then another message to say, these are the speakers for this morning, and here's the link to get to them. And then there was a message uh, close to noon with the motivational the motivational speaker that we had, our Olympian, and then a message in the afternoon with the afternoon sessions. And it turns out most people did not get any of those messages, which really added confusion that first day. And I was very disappointed about that. When we figured that out later in the afternoon, it, it, we did not realize that what was going on. When people said they didn't know where to go, we helped them with that because we had support channels in place. Thank you so much if you use them. We appreciate that. But we want to make sure everyone knew ahead of time what to expect, and that just had happened. 
though you, some of you might find this funny, especially if you do software products, the tool that we're using, which I love the tool that we used for the uh, email management that works very well, but it has a little idiosyncrasy I did not uh, fully anticipate the impact of. And that's in when you queue up the messages, you basically say, you know, send this message at 7.30 a.m. And that's what we did, right? So session started at 8 a.m. We said, send this message at 7.30 a.m. Well, turns out it would do that. And then at 7.31, it would stop because it would it was no longer 7.30. So if we had queued up a few thousand messages as it did, it takes several minutes to send all those messages out. Actually needed to change how the, this campaign manager works to say send at or later than 7.30. So that, you know, greater than or equal type comparison, which made me laugh, although I was a little bit sad about it. But uh, idiosyncrasies you figure out, right, with the launch tools that you use. So promotion Overall, was really, really happy with the uh, organizations that jumped on board to help promote this summit. I think it worked out very well for them because we had good coverage of this. We had lots of materials pointing back to them as, as helping to bring the summit to people because we needed people to help promote it to get the word out more than just through the channels I have through this podcast. That was great. What we recognized was that the ones that did jump on board, for the most part, we had some existing relationship with. But there are also a few people that we really wanted to help promote this that did not get engaged. And I just chalked that up to, I didn't have an existing relationship with them. So the lesson learned there is to build a relationship ahead of time. Also, next year, we might use paid ads. We didn't do any paid ads this year. Uh, we might look into that next year. For support, while we had some support channels, primarily through email and then that interactive discussion that was going on, I think I'd put a chat bot on the website, the main page for the summit to have another channel, make it easy for people to get support if, as they need it. We don't want anyone stuck or frustrated out there. And then the time of the sessions themselves with speakers, want to align those times with what makes sense for the speakers. We didn't really think about that ahead of time. And so in some cases, for the speaker's time zone, it might have been 4 o'clock in the morning for them, and that's not a great time for them to try to be participating in an interactive discussion during their session. And another insight really came about the quality of the video and the audio. And throughout this process, I always do video when I'm doing the interviews for the podcast. That's just so I can see the guest and the guest can see me, and it makes it feel more like a discussion. But we only recently started recording those videos, maybe kind of late uh, late last year. And we haven't actually used them a lot, so that changed our editing process quite a bit. And also, I'm a guy who cares a lot about the quality of the audio, because this is a, first and foremost, an audio podcast that goes out. I want the audio to be good. Now, in trying to capture the video as well for these sessions, we had to make a lot of compromises. We use Zoom for this because Zoom just works well, right? Of all the tools available, it's the one that is usually reliable and it works, but it does compress the heck out of audio, so it doesn't make it sound as good as it could. Um, and at times we had problems with the video too. The, the video resolution we got at times was not what we expected. It was an HD quality signal. And then, of course, as you would expect, people's individual internets at times create issues as well. We researched this a lot about the options available to us. We, we stuck with Zoom because of its reliability and familiarity with all the speakers, right? Almost everyone's used to this tool in a professional context. I was happy with that, but we are still continuing to investigate other options to improve the video and audio and carrying that forward into the podcast as well.
So some key takeaways from all of this. Okay, first and foremost, know your target market, who you're serving, and what are the segments within that target market. For the summit and for this podcast, it's product managers and product VPs across industries. And there have been times we've thought about re-niching that, right? Do we really want to try to serve all product managers across different industries? Well, we personally, and, and this is a lot of my experience when I say we, this is a lot of my experience coming into this, some of my most educational moments in product management, and I was originally in software product management, developing software products, some of my most educational moments came from people that were outside my industry. And I just was fascinated with you know the way that they look at developing a product that a customer will love, creating a value for them and value for the organization, was very much the same way I did, but they just talked about it in different terms a little bit. And there were always new insights I got from those conversations. So we try to bring that to this, this podcast all the time and hope that, you know, if you are doing software products, if you're doing consumer goods, if you're doing medical products, wherever you are, you find value in hearing the stories and the tips, regardless of the industry. That's who we serve. But we serve two segments there, product managers and product leaders. Another key takeaway, know what your target market wants. For the summit, it was high quality speakers and interaction. Next, start with a clear product vision. The vision gets it straight in your mind. What is it you're trying to accomplish? What is the benefits to that target market? But it's also a communication tool for everyone else on the team. And in my case, it was also a communication tool for the speakers, the ones that were delivering the insights, you know, the kind of the core part of the product, uh, those, those sessions. So having a clear vision, very important to start with. That's your northern star. That tells you what you're pointing towards, uh, where you're headed in this project. I would make the delivery a better fit for the customer's availability. So change that schedule that I talked about. And also communicate the primary features more clearly. Right? What's the key benefit you want to get? If a key benefit that came out of the knowledge of doing this summit is people want the opportunity for that interaction, I would communicate clearly where that's available. So maybe doing live kickoffs every day. Maybe we'll bring in a panel discussion at the end of each day, something like that. And then when speakers are available for an interactive discussion in some format, maybe that stays chat-based, maybe we move to a Zoom-like type meeting, uh, but we have that discussion, that interaction uh, built in and clearly communicated too. We also provide the appropriate time for planning and execution. So when I went through the my mentor's programs for doing this, you know, people said, well, you, you can get it done in three months, but you probably need more time. Well, I'm thinking I, I do something like this already. I'm leveraging my experience with the podcast. I think three months will work. And so we set the, the time end of December. We started working on it as a team in earnest in January. We're learning through the process because it was our first one. And now that we've done it, maybe indeed we could do it comfortably in three months. But that was actually a pretty hard three months for us to get everything done. And on the promotion side, I do feel like we need more time. So I would plan six months next time around that we start start this work. Okay, so those are some key lessons learned. I did have a lessons learned meeting with my small team that helped put this together. That was a total of five of us. And we went through just what I talked about in the beginning here. What worked? What are the best practices? What would we want to leverage again and do next time? And then what would we do differently? What were the actual mistakes we made along the way? And what were the insights from that that we can leverage again for the future? 
And then this general atmosphere of the reason why we're doing this is to help each other understand you know, better what we're good at, build trust with each other, and also some empowerment, right? These are the things that were great and build empowerment with, uh, with the team. So that was a great lessons learned meeting. Those were some key insights. I try to apply, as I just talked through this, not just lessons learned specifically for my product here at the summit, but ones in general for products uh, that you should apply as a product manager. Again, if you want to check out the summit itself, go to the everydayinnovator.com slash summit. We've extended that extra low price. This was the early bird pricing that people paid. The price went up during the summit and then again after the summit, but now it's back down to $49 for the next week. And you'll find all those great resources, exclusive content, and those exclusive resources really speed your learning. And it's only $49. And that was money collected to help us cover the cost of doing the summit with that team, as well as helping to make this podcast better. So it's all money that's just going back into uh, these resources to improve everything. And if you paid more, like if you paid during the summit for it or after the summit, just send me an email. Okay, during the month of May, I will refund that difference. So I recognize I'm offering the early bird pricing again to the world. And if you paid more, I don't want you to feel like you got stuck. So just email me, I'll refund the difference. But during the month of May, I can't keep this up. So it's just during the month of May. And also, if you want a written summary of everything I just talked about, these lessons learned from this product launch, that's at the everydayinnovator.com slash 282. Next week, we'll be back with our interview format with Patrick Shelton. He has a video creation business and had a really interesting discussion with him about how he uses storytelling as a video producer to create video products. And it relates to so much of what we do as product managers. I think you'll really enjoy it. And as I always say, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit TheEverydayInnovator.com.